It's the next level. Cassie Yazdan? Yeah? I'm Jessica Jones. I'm taking you back to your mother. Hey, what the hell do you want? She's responding to an Amber Alert. Oh, she's not kidnapped. I'm her father. You lost custody. Come on, get your things. Dad? Look, I, I had a crap-ass lawyer and a vindictive ex-wife. Now you're a criminal, taking a minor out of the country, forging darkness. I had to get Cassie away from her mother. She's toxic. Wow, you're the first ex-husband to ever say that. Come on, let's go. I'm staying with my dad. He's the bad guy. Yes, says my ex-wife. Says the law, asshole. The U.S. law. We're not in the U.S. We're about to be. Hey, look, don't make me get physical. Panels to Pixels, Jessica Jones, Seasons 3, Episodes 1 and 2. Welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this week we're going to be covering the final season of Jessica Jones. We're doing the first two episodes. Yeah, so here here we are. You know, this is the last Netflix, Marvel, Marvel Netflix Universe, MNU, I guess, show apparently ever. And so uh, here we go. We start uh, episode one of Jessica Jones. Season three is entitled AKA The Perfect Burger. And uh, Jessica begins season three. She's basically alone. She's she's got a new assistant. She's broken up with the the guy upstairs, although his son still hangs around. She's uh, doing PI work and kind of trying to do the hero for hire stuff, but uh, uh, it's kind of not really working well for her. Uh, Jerry's still dealing with her ALS. Trish has powers. More on that in the next episode. And <laughs> Malcolm is a fixer for Jerry's celebrity clients. I guess that other guy, that other PI, is just out of the picture. Is that? Like, it's weird. Even though, you know, he doesn't like doing it, but that's kind of what he's become. He is her risk management specialist. Uh, Jessica goes looking for Trish after uh, she goes missing. Trish's mom calls Jess to say, hey, go find her. When she does find uh, Trish, they have this this confrontation. And at the end of the at the end of the episode, we have Jessica meeting a new guy in a bar and they go to have sex and hamburgers. And uh, there's a knock at the door. Jessica opens the door and is stabbed by an unknown masked person. Yeah, very interesting episode. It. First watching, I'm thinking to myself, this is pretty long, but it wasn't really that long. I guess I was too involved in it. I, I think all of them, I, I think all of them are over 50 minutes. Yeah. So they're, they're all pretty long for, for the normal Netflix shows. I think I, I believe, I, I think I clocked them all at over 50 minutes. Huh. So, which is, which is unusual for these Netflix shows. They usually try to stay within that 40, 45 minute window there. Yeah. Well, let's get to our top fives. Uh, unless you, did you have anything to add to the synopsis? That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to our, our top fives uh, for this first episode of season three. Sure. Why don't you go first? 
Sure, I'll go first, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna express some disappointment here. Uh, I stayed up late. I'm talking. I bought a bottle of bourbon. I stayed up late Thursday night into Friday morning because I wanted to watch as soon as it dropped. I stayed up until 1 a.m. my time. I'm Central, and it still had not dropped. So I guess it, maybe it's midnight Pacific is when it, which would which would have been two o'clock in the morning my time. I don't know, but I was really disappointed that I didn't. I had to wait basically until I woke up. Uh, Friday morning came to woke up, whatever, you know, um, <laughs> Friday morning, uh, to watch the, the first episode. Yeah. I, I, I don't blame you. And oddly enough, it's like, it, it, it's the same here, uh, and New York time. And it, yeah. Yeah. Usually I tend to wait. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I could get to it either Friday night or Saturday. Usually it's Saturday. <laughs> yeah, but you're even longer if it's because if it's midnight, and I still don't know for sure. We won't know, I guess, until uh, Stranger Things drops is the next big one that's 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 going to drop because it would be three a.m. for you, right? Would be yeah. midnight Pacific time. That's just crazy. I'm not staying up that late. <laughs> What's your number five, though, Mark? <laughs> My number five would be the reintroduction of characters and and in this. It, it was very interesting to just reacquainting ourselves with them. It was like as if you didn't have to see the previous ver- uh, seasons again of, or versions of these characters. You could just easily jump right in to this season and not really have seen the first two, which I found, you know, a little interesting. But they allude to certain events from the past. Paco being there for Jessica, Trish's mom, you know, Dorothy and, you know, Malcolm, Trish and Hogarth. But they don't really tap too much. You know, they talk about Jessica's mom and and who kills her and stuff like that. Or they don't I don't they haven't even touched on Kilgrave. No, they haven't they they've they've haven't touched on Kilgrave. They've they've kind of touched on a, a few of those things, but like you said, it's almost like this was set up that if you if you just stepped into this cold, you you could probably start watching and not be Overly confused. I think maybe the only thing that would, would be confusing would be Trish and Jessica's relationship. You know, you wouldn't understand, well, wait a minute. They don't, do they like each other? They don't like each other. Are they sisters? Are they what that would probably be? I think because everything else is pretty firmly established. We see her, you know, have, have, uh, you know, she's on speaking terms with Malcolm. She's, she's, uh, Jerry is doing her thing and, but I think that would be the one thing that they didn't give a lot of depth into in this first episode, at least, was the reason for the strained relationship between Trish and Jessica. I don't think it's till episode two that we get Trish starting to talk about what happened. Exactly. You know, um, and then later on, when eventually down the road, she's going to, uh, re- reveal some more things, uh, which that does lead me to my, my number four, uh, which is the relationships. You know, um, you, you alluded to some of them. You know, Jessica's turned away from everyone except, is it Paco or is it Vito? I, I swear I'm going to have to look it up now on IMDb because I think it's Vito. Is really? the little kids? The yeah, little kids I, name. I thought she said Paco. I thought she said Paco too, but I, now I'm going to have to look it up while I'm while I'm talking about this. So, you know, it's uh, we see that Jerry she asks Jess to kill her when the ALS gets to be too much for her to handle. Um, Jessica and Malcolm, you know, like I said, they're kind of on speaking terms, um, but it, you know, and at least it, it's it's weird that. Uh, she, we don't really know why she broke up 
with the super, um, we just kind of get that idea that she's emotionally distant and can't, won't let people in. That's kind of the reason. And, uh, I'm looking this up now because I gotta, I gotta know. <laughs> and if this kid's not on the IMDb list, I'm gonna shoot somebody. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's there. Vito. It is Vito. Okay. It's Vito. So that's my mistake. I wrote it wrong in the notes the first time. So for everybody that's listening, uh, his name is Vito, the character. And so we see that, uh, you know, they're, they're on speaking terms at least. And, and, uh, uh, and at least, you know, the, the building, the super that she was dating still lets his kid hang around her. So he hasn't really, uh, completely broken things off with her. She still has some sort of, um, agreement between that cop, DaCosta, the one who we saw at the end of season two, the one who, uh, who told her, you know, that he could remember Kilgrave having him put a gun to his head. And the whole precinct, you know, her being the one that saved the whole precinct. So we do get a little bit of Kilgrave, but he doesn't really talk about who the guy was that did it. So that, mm-hmm. that for me, that was my number four was the, those relationships that we, we kind of get those, uh, reestablished here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it's, you know, like I said, this was like a build up, and, you know, at least we got some little tidbits here and there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. My number four would be Jessica finding out what Trish can do. Something that was left off from the previous season due to the pills. Uh, we see Trish as a, pretty much a vigilante uh, at this point. Yeah. And, you know, we got that really quick scene there at the end of season two where she catches the phone on her foot and then flips it up into her hand. And, and that's all we got in season two. And then, you know, it, it's going to be the next episode. We'll probably explore this deeper because we get to see what happened immediately after that in the next, the next episode. Um, my number three is just Malcolm by himself. Uh, it's been a long time. And I think, you know, now the amount of episodes we've watched as we're recording this, I believe somebody, one of the characters says it's been a year which seems a lot longer than what I thought it was. Yeah. But, but that I, I, that's sticking in my brain that somebody said it's been a year uh, since they basically, uh, since the incident with Jessica's mom. And uh, so it's been long enough for him that he's proven himself. He's, he's uh, the lone risk management specialist at Jerry's law firm. He, uh, he is, uh, you know, he, he can take things, but he also can take things into his own hands. We see him at the end of the episode when he smashes into the baseball player's car, you know, and mm-hmm. so we see him kind of, it's almost like he's trying to be a hero, but not having the powers and he's going to suffer some consequences for that moving on. But that was just my number three was just Malcolm himself, just uh, this seeing what he's become from the end of season two to now the beginning of season three. Yeah, I would agree. That would be, that's my number three as well would be Malcolm, you know, and him trying to come into his own with Hogarth's company, you know, still trying to do good, but now the fixer for the company, but he seems, it's pretty funny how when we first saw him in season one till now, and it's like a completely different character in some respects. Oh yeah, the arc that character has taken is is really interesting because you know even up into towards the end of season two, maybe middle of season two. Oh no, I guess because in season two he was learning to be a PI. You know he he wanted to help people. He wanted to go back to social working. He wanted to to do that kind of stuff. And 
he, in season two, we see that he kind of turned to becoming a PI. And then the end of season two, he's, you know, joins, uh, Hogarth's law firm as this, this other guy's kind of assistant and learning. And, and like I said, it's now been long enough that he's basically taken over the whole role. My yeah. number, my number two is just really short, uh, because we're going to get into it more in the next, next few episodes, but the guy that Jess, Jessica meets at the end in the bar. And I really think there's more to him than he's letting on. There's, there's something more there. I did like that. He acknowledges that he knows who she is, that he kind of, <laughs> he kind of tries to play it off at first. Like he doesn't know, but then uh he's like, of course I know who you are. I'm, I don't live under a rock, you know, or something. I can't remember exactly how he says it, but uh, uh I, that whole exchange at the bar where he, he knew, uh, which guy was going to break the glass and hurt his hand. And then he takes Jessica home to make her a hamburger. And of course we get the stabbing at the end. Yeah. Um, my number two would be Hogarth's pills. Uh, you know, we're, I have a little bit of question on this because I um, kind of breezed through, what was it? Season two. And I was under the assumption that they were to help her, not to kill her. So I, I'm, I'm gonna, sure. I'm gonna admit, I'm, I'm right there with you. Even after watching the episode twice, I was still confused because there's so many other ways you, cause she spent like, didn't she spend like two thousand dollars or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. If buy, you want to kill yourself, you don't buy there's a pills. Whole, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of easier. There's easier ways <laughs> to do that than than getting these special pills that are. It, I'm I'm with you because the impression I thought at the end of season two was that she was buying some experimental drug that was supposed to help her. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and now yeah. we find out that no, these pills are going to kill me when the when the time comes, and I'm like, huh. There's a what, lot of pills, boy? like pretty much any pills, like if you take too many of them can kill you. So I'm exactly. like, oh, you don't really need to go buy, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just, there's so many things and especially, it just, no, I'm right there with you. It was a little confusing that why does she have to buy these special Russian suicide pills? Or something. Yeah, and, and I don't that's, think that, um, I, I think there might have been like some sort of side effects or something or. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe down the road it's going to be explained or maybe it's just going to, they're, they're just going to never bring it up again. Uh, I don't it, think so. That's it, something that would definitely be brought up for the fact that, you know, why, why have that be such a big monumentous yeah, yeah. scene Especially, in, in episode one? Yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm still with you. I'm still confused. I know you've watched further than I have. So, uh, but, uh, don't give anything away at this oh, point. Not, we'll, not. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, which uh, brings us to my number one. And uh, my number one is, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, because I watched the thing twice, and, and I think I only watched it twice, and I was specifically listening mm-hmm. for it. Nobody, this is the first episode in this entire series, nobody says the title. Anywhere, he describes the perfect burger at the yes. end of the episode, but he never says those three words, the perfect burger. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't ever say the perfect burger. Okay, so this is this is the first episode we have, and, and I know I've watched a little bit further. You've watched further than I have, um, because I know that I know for at least the next three episodes they do say the episodes, the episode title somewhere within the episode. So I, I there's got to be a reason why this omission 
of not speaking the title. And I, I want an answer to that question, but I probably will never get it unless someday I can actually talk to the writers or something. Because, uh, hopefully one day we'll be on a panel and yeah. Kristen Ritter will be there and be like, Hey, we need to pick your brain. I yeah. don't remember. I, I have one question that has been burning my brain, Kristen. Season three, episode one. No one says the episode title. Why is that? I don't even remember the episode title, Steve. Thanks, Kristen. No, I'm sure. I, I just, I, I really, as much as I, I don't know why I'm harping on this so much, but it is such a big deal to me because they're so specific about every single episode. Somebody says the title, even, even crazy word titles that, yeah. and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Episode four has got a crazy title. Somebody says those words in the episode. Yep. So but that's prominent in that one. <laughs> right. Well, well, what's what yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. Um yeah. what's uh, what's your number 1, Mark? Well, let's go to our quotes. Uh well, no, what's your number 1? We didn't say your number 1. Oh. <laughs> I didn't say my number 1. No, oh, I said, I gave you my number one. I I spent so long on my number 1, you lost track. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, that ending, we never saw Jessica really mortally wounded like that before, I, I, from what I can remember. She was, like, almost near death, and I, yeah. I don't remember seeing her in either Defenders or Luke Cage or even these last two seasons. I, we've seen her hurt in some way, but not to the point where it's like, ugh. Yeah, we've never seen her where, and this was in my notes, so so I I'll, I can talk about it with, with you with your number one. Um yeah, we have never seen her kind of have something internally go wrong with her, you know, or, you know, all the times that she was shot at, we never saw her actually get shot, I don't think. We mm -hmm. saw her got get grazed. We saw her get beaten up. But this is the first time because she doesn't have she doesn't have, you know, tough skin like Luke Cage. She doesn't have healing factors like some of these other these other heroes. So she is is basically that's a vulnerability to her um that is now going to probably play out for a lot of the although I have something on that in a future episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but regardless it's it was just wow, we've yeah. never seen that happen before. So and and it you know, if people find out, hey, yeah, she's super powered, she could she has really good agility, she's super strong. Uh, well, she could never really fly. Right. But she's not bulletproof and she's not knife proof. Exactly. So, so, you know, that's a, that's definitely a weakness that people could, uh, exploit. So, all right. So what is your quote, Mark? Uh, this is one from Jessica when she, she's dealing with Dorothy when she comes for her help to look for Trish and she just looks at her and says, you're a boil on humanity's <laughs> ass as usual. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. This was actually almost one of my one of my top fives was the one liners between her and uh, and Trish's Dorothy, Trish's mom, because they do kind of go back and forth for about three or four lines. I didn't write them all down, but they do kind of go back and forth. Uh, it, it's almost, you know, on one degree, it's almost like a playful kind of banter, but at the same time, it's some pretty stingy insults. Like, that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, for me, the only quote that really jumped out at me was when uh, after the baseball player has hit the guy who was walking on the sidewalk, the guy says he wasn't even looking up. I think he was jerking off. <laughs> I 
I don't know why I my my friend and I, whenever we see somebody not paying attention, we're like, why are they taking pictures of their dick? That's that's <laughs> you know, we're like, whenever we see somebody looking down in their in their car, we're we're like, what are they doing? You know, so that that when the guy said that, that really reminded me of that. Uh, that aspect, but, uh, uh, definitely for sure. This was a, this was a great one. And I, and I, I'll go straight into episode number two because, um, epi- the title of episode number two is you're welcome. It's directed by Kristen Ritter. I thought that was kind of interesting. I think that's the first time we've seen her direct an episode. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the other, the other episodes, but I, I just happened to catch that for sure, for sure. The second time that it was directed by her and, I, again, I'm going to state a little bit of a disappointment that this episode does not pick up directly after where the last one did. This episode actually takes us all the way back to the end of season two when Trish discovered that she had her powers. You know, we see her several times try to talk to Jessica about it. Jessica won't answer the phone. She won't. Uh, she kind of ghosts her, basically. And uh, so she starts training on her own. She uh, tries to become a hero. Uh, her mom gets her back on TV on this late night as this na- late night fashion salesperson or whatever. And, like a QVC. <laughs> yeah, like a QVC kind of thing. And uh, the episode, by the end of the episode, it does catch us back up to the present. And um, we see what happened uh, in that apartment before Jessica jumped through the window and had her fight with Trish. We see all that. Um, and then of course the end is Malcolm calling Trish to tell her, uh, you know, Jessica's in the hospital and she's asking for you. Yeah. So what was your number five for episode two, Mark? Uh, I love the training scenes pretty much. Uh, that that was a really good introduction. Uh, uh, Trish trying to adapt to these abilities is fun just to watch. It was like Spider-Man figuring out his own powers, you know. And, like, if you look at the old, you know, Tobey Maguire movies and Andrew Garfield, when they first showed them and how and they would just have fun with it. Yeah. It, it seems there's a bit of strength and agility with Trish with her powers. Uh, I wonder what else is there. Yeah, it was really good. And this was my number five as well was this whole training montage. And, uh, you know, it would have been better maybe with kind of an eighties rock song going on, uh, in the background. But, uh, what I really liked about it, especially the second time I watched was she didn't like, it wasn't like she didn't get the, she didn't get all that stuff, the agility and right away. Like she mm. got the ability to gain that agility you know because just like when the very first thing she she catches the phone on her foot and then flips it back up in her hand but when she's in the the elevator by herself she tries to do the same move and breaks the phone and then we see her during that training montage she kept keeps trying to run up the wall and do that flip and several times we see her fall and land on her back or land on her face or whatever. And it's not until she's able to actually do that run up the wall and flip and we see her celebrate, you know, doing that, that, uh, uh, that we know that, okay, she's, she's gained, she's figured out these powers, she's got them. So it wasn't like she just, um, you know, was blessed with these great moves. She had to actually train her body still, which I thought was really, really interesting. She had to actually train her body to do the things 
that to adapt way. it. Yeah, yeah, to adapt, you know. And uh, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and I, I love the idea too of thinking about it because we have uh I forgot her name, Hogarth, who plays Trinity in the mm-hmm. Matrix. Yeah. And and you see Trish trying to do kind of similar of a <laughs> Trinity thing with the on the wall thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I was like, Oh wait, I know that from that, somewhere. That okay, is pretty that's cool. It. I didn't I didn't catch up I didn't catch that, so that is really cool. Uh, so we're on to my number four. You're number four, yes, sir. That would be the costume scene in the costume shop, that whole costume montage. <laughs> there was a lot of callbacks to, to the comics with the, a similar character. <clears throat> Let me see. I, I think I can pin, pinpoint the character. Oh, yeah, Hellcat. So, yeah, I, if you guys look at the yellow costume... With the, I think it's a bluish kind of mask she was wearing with a sash on it. And she was like, oh, hell no. So, I, I, it's like I had to go back and look and search. And I'm like, yep, that is correct, Hellcat. All so, right. th- that was her, her comic book character, the the Trish in the I don't know books, if it was Trish. Or there just is a Hellcat in the... Okay. Th- yeah, yeah, there is a Hellcat in okay. the Marvel Comics. So, I think it was a callback because it was very similar in traits as far as powers. Okay. And I had a question about this uh, later on in my notes. Is why why did she buy all those costumes? We see her, so she she looks at all of them, she dismisses all of them, even like the, the pig mask or whatever, where she can't see out of it. But then <laughs> a few minutes later, we see her getting in her car and she's putting all these costumes in the trunk of her car. Like, did she, was it like a, you try it, you buy it costume shop or something? Yeah, because I was like, why did she buy all of them? If she's not going to wear, you know, and then she settles on pulling a scarf up over half her face and her cap doing the daredevil thing of cap on her head and, and pulling her scarf up over her face. It just didn't make sense. I didn't understand why she, why, she bought all those costumes. Maybe she wasn't certain, and maybe she could make one of her own. Who knows? <laughs> I guess. I, it just it, it just was one of those things that I, when I saw her putting all that stuff in the trunk, I was like, what is she doing? And my number four is, uh, you know, they kind of make up for not saying the title in the first episode in that your welcome is said many times in this episode. I didn't try to count them. I just know it was a lot. Uh, so that was my number four, just, just quick and, and, uh, uh, and painless that the fact that the title of the episode this time is said many times in the, in the episode. Yeah, definitely. I, that, that's why I brought it up before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. It was like very, it's like, yes, this yeah, is the yeah. episode. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but, uh, my number three would be Trish going to Hogarth regarding, uh, the subpoena she got by the perp. You you would think that Hogarth would you know would have mentioned it to Jessica at yeah, some point. I guess it just shows how, and like I said in in the previous episode, the strained all these relationships are now so strained that they don't have just casual conversations anymore. And yeah. and you know th- that's the only reason I can think of why, because you would you would think why wouldn't Hogarth bring it up at some point. To Jessica that, oh, you know, your friend, because she even says to Trish something about Jessica should have, oh, no, that's what it is. She says to Trish, didn't Jessica warn you about me? And Trish says, well, yeah, she said that you're the biggest shark in the tank or something like that. And she has your respect. So that's why I'm coming to you. 
you know huh. so uh i thought that was really interesting like you said that that uh that she didn't mention it to to jessica at all uh yeah that brings to my number three three um Oh, <laughs> you mentioned the subpoena, and that's why my number that plays right into my number three. Because as soon as that woman sat down next to her and kept asking her her name or wanting her to acknowledge her identity, as soon as the like the first time the woman said it, I was like, "What is she doing?" And then the second time when the woman asked her her name and she didn't say it, I was like, "Oh, she's gonna say you're served." That's what I was waiting for. You've yeah. been served, you know. Was what I was waiting for because that was the whole thing. Is is uh, I, I've never been a process server, but I'm assuming you have to get the person to actually acknowledge and identify themselves, and then you can give them the subpoena or the the warrant or whatever you're giving them. So I I thought that was funny. Like I said, as soon as she the second time she was like, "You are, aren't you, George Walker?" You know that <laughs> I was like, especially considering she's a celebrity and yeah. nobody, everybody know who's Patsy. Exactly, at this point. exactly, exactly. But she, you know, she didn't say you're Patsy because like the other guys, they were like, it's Patsy. They said it like that. She very specifically was saying Trish Walker, you know, so I, I was like, oh, she's a process server. <laughs> <laughs> that would lead me to number two, which, uh, you know, Trish admitting to Malcolm about killing Jessica's mom. Yeah, to me that scene was really riveting. Yeah, and that was my number two as well. Um, that uh, that just that that as she's talking there because you could see, and and I thought it was interesting, especially the second time around watching it. That Malcolm, you know, because Malcolm is running on the idea that Jessica killed her mom, and that's what she's trying to to communicate to Trish. Well, she's dealing with things because she had to kill her mom, and Trish goes, "No, no, I killed her mom." And then mm-hmm. suddenly it's like Malcolm, you can see all the tumblers kind of falling into place for Malcolm that he realizes, oh, now I know why they're not friends anymore. But now I also know why Trish is acting the way she's acting because she took a life, you know. And mm-hmm. and so suddenly all those tumblers came into place for for Malcolm in that. Uh, so I really like that, that that his reaction on that was was uh, uh, so good, especially when he says that he wouldn't have been able to live with it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you completely with all that. My number one, yes, that would be uh, that chilling ending scene with Trish and Jessica at the hospital. Jessica is still upset with Trish, mm-hmm. obviously, but wanting you know to take vengeance for herself. But I see Trish doing something first after giving Brant Brant's name to Jessica. So, uh, you know, at this point, I, I wrote my note saying I have not seen the episode yet, <laughs> but uh, it leaves me to believe that Trish is going to handle it in her own way. Hence the you're welcome at the end when she's walking out of the hospital. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Trish is actually uh Trish's voiceover in this episode is my uh my number one. I really liked that uh fact that we got to see a different pers- a, a different character's perspective, like on PI work and on all all these kind of things where she she's you know talking to herself, she's doing the voice the voiceover and she's trying to help people. And uh you know, I kind of thought when I first when I first got when I first heard Malcolm say that uh, Jessica was asking for her in, in episode one, I thought, Oh, they're going to become friends again. And, but then at the end here of episode two, when basically Jessica just says, no, I just want his name. And then I want you to leave 
basically and turns away from her, you realize that this is going to, there's going to take something more, something deeper is going to have to happen to bring their relationship back together again. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so you had a couple of quotes here that you liked. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, every, it's funny because it's not really pretty much quotes. It, it's constantly throughout the scene when Trish is uh, saving the guy's <laughs> cell phone and constantly between the perp, and the the victim is saying, it's Patsy. Yeah. Hey, you're Patsy. <laughs> and it just made me laugh constantly. She's like denying it up and down and she just gets flustered and it runs off. I thought that was pretty funny though. But the fact that it's like, it's Patsy, it's Patsy. But I, I'm wondering <laughs> if they actually say that in their show for Patsy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one would be. I'm gonna Ralph <laughs> from the the girl, the victim that Trish saves from being raped. I've not heard anyone <laughs> say that then use that term in a very long time in a show or a movie yeah. about vomiting. It just yeah. made me laugh. Yeah, I uh, I've been rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the early uh, the show from the '90s, and there's a there's a line in one of the episodes where somebody says, "I'm gonna boot," and they're talking about. They call it boot instead of vomit. And I'm like, I yeah, I had never heard anybody use that that term for it either. So yeah, yeah, I've not heard anybody use that that term. I'm going to Ralph in a long, long time. Um, the only you had some notes. Yeah, I had a I had one note here. Uh, really, that's only the the one we haven't discussed yet. Is is as I watched it the second time, Trish, you know, she wrote several drafts of that email that she never did send. To Jessica, you know, one, the first one was very heartfelt and very, uh, very touching, very basically her apologizing and realizing that, uh, maybe it had, it wasn't a mistake, but trying to, uh, ask for Jess's forgiveness. And then as she progresses through the different drafts, she gets to the final one, which is the one that Jess sees where she's basically not asking for forgiveness and just saying, well, your mother had to be killed and I'm your moral compass and I'm this and that. And, you know, and I really thought as I watched that the episode again, that I wondered if Jessica had seen those earlier versions, if maybe she would have had a different idea or a different uh, a take on it or, or maybe might have actually forgiven Trish if she's seen that. I think she would have because those previous little notes that she was writing mm -hmm. seemed a lot more heartfelt. And this was a little bit kind of like like a stabbing. Yeah. Um, not to point a pun to what happened <laughs> to Jessica, but – it it was pretty much like stabbing somebody in the gut. Yeah. About the uh, the situation, and that's very hurtful in itself. That probably just fueled the fire of her even more, mm -hmm. not wanting to forgive her. Exactly. So, my I have just a couple of notes and a sidebar note which came up, but I'll start off with uh, Trish using the app for the police scanner on her phone or iPhone. Yeah. With her earbuds and as she's walking around, similar to. Other comic book heroes, and I mentioned it before, like uh, Peter Parker in the movies and the comics, we would he would use like a CB radio usually in his apartment or something to monitor to go out and find people, yeah, to save or whatnot. Yeah, I, and that that's one of those. That was an interesting thing I didn't put in my notes was about that whole scene was I didn't know, and I haven't I've never looked for it, so I'm not I'm assuming these apps actually exist. That you can, they do. That you can, you could do this. But I, I really thought was interesting was as she's listening to them, so many of the kind of just mundane 
kind of calls and you can see her disappointment in the different calls that she's hearing, you know, and thinking, Oh, I'm not going to get in and finally getting one that, that was something she could do. And then she, by the time she gets there, the cops have already arrived and have already stopped the situation. And, and uh, yeah, so I, that was a good, that was a good scene. Yeah, definitely. The, the other little bit I had would be, the Skittles and Trish's contract for the selling uh, uh, selling channel or the QVC, quote unquote. <laughs> Apparently, they were for her mother Dorothy. <laughs> that just it just made me laugh due to the fact that y- you see uh, Dorothy just glomming onto whatever Trish has. Yeah, you know, and just sees Trish as somebody who gets the money for her and things that she wants. You know. Yeah. Dorothy's pretty much just using her daughter. Yeah, she it hasn't changed from her when she was a child to now. Yeah. Mm. The other thing I would have would be, and this came up through a discussion I had with a friend of mine, and I recalled it. They were when they were filming, it was news in the on the internet or the interwebs. So comicbook.com actually announced it. Uh when they were filming this season at the very beginning. Kristen Ritter was extremely ill. Hmm. Yeah, so they they were filming around her illness at some point, and I'm wondering maybe that's why they put this stabbing scene in here to make her constantly ill to huh. the point where you know her ailing. So that you know, kind of similar with uh, with the Punisher, John Burnt yeah, all breaking his hand <laughs> and having to have surgery, and then using that in the in the show for several episodes. Maybe that would you know that would make sense about some of the things, but and we'll get into this when we get to later episodes. But yeah. she seems to recover pretty quickly, though. Yeah. The only other thing I had really for these first two episodes is that we these are setting up. Obviously, these are setting up for the entire season. I don't, I don't think that the statue guy is going to be the big bad, the one that uh, Jessica thinks or that uh, the name she gets out of Trish. I don't think that guy is going to be the big bad guy in this, in this thing. It just doesn't seem right. And, you know, we're setting up for things to happen with Jerry, with Malcolm, with, um, Trish and and all these things that uh, I know they're going to do just like what they did in season two. And eventually all these storylines are going to somehow come back together. So I'm excited to see where the rest of the, the season goes. Um, yeah. I didn't put any podcast recommendations in our notes, but uh, what have you got to podcast to recommend to our listeners, Mark? Hmm. I would definitely recommend strange indeed they're just finishing up black mirror from my understanding and uh, they're going to be going into stranger things as soon as it drops come july so and that's around the corner yeah so i would definitely look into that um a couple other friends uh we have on on the podcastica network would be House Podcastica is now covering yeah. Handmaid's Tale season three. I, I have not caught up to season three yet of Handmaid's Tale. I've only watched season one and a couple of episodes of season two. So I'm not currently listening, but I have them all downloaded. And once I catch up to where they are, I, I think I did send one piece of feedback into House Podcastica with my thoughts on the, the first season. And uh, I don't know if that's been played on their podcast yet or not, uh, <laughs> because I haven't listened to it, um, uh, because I don't want to get spoiled for season three. And uh, But I'll catch up to those eventually. 
and yeah. and see where they're going. And uh, if you are interested and you like hearing Mark's voice, he and Brian uh, Malosh are doing, and Kyle McAdams are doing Fear the Walking Dead talk through over on Golden Spiral Media. And those guys are doing a great job. I loved this most recent episode of Fear the Walking Dead, and you guys did a great job covering it. Oh, thanks. It was pretty funny how the first time that I think me and Brian loved the episode and then Kyle <laughs> did not. Didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, that was interesting to me as much as, uh, he didn't. And, uh, uh, so I, I, I like it. There's not a lot of other new stuff dropping. I know that uh, I will give a plug to the TV podcast industries podcast that our friends Derek O'Neill and oh his co-hosts are escaping me right now but they are covering Jessica Jones as well over there yep. so if you want to hear somebody else's thoughts on Jessica Jones you can tune into uh, I think they also go by Defenders podcast I th- yes. think but uh, if you search for TV podcast industries on your uh, app of choice for podcasts you will find those guys over there and I highly recommend them there there's some great uh, Overseas guys, they're not American. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Derek is uh, English, so yep. he's got that lovely accent. So if you're interested in loving that little accent in your in your ears, it's awesome. Exactly, because it's fun to listen to. <laughs> how can um, how can people get feedback? We didn't have any feedback uh, on Jessica Jones yet, but how can people get feedback to us, Mark? Well, the easiest way to get any sort of information to us would be through our Facebook page, which would be www.facebook.com slash panels to pixels. So we usually leave a little bit of a post here and there. Even if people just want to drop some sort of comment on there, it'd be great. We've had that a few times. Uh, you could also email us at panels to pixels one at gmail.com panels two the T O spelled out. And the number one at the end at gmail.com. Very cool. So that's pretty much what we have for tonight. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this is Panels to Pixels. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.